Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTP buddies. I've got David Merle on the show today, and David comes from my old hood of the South Bend, Indiana area, and has a background as a pastor, so he is used to doing the public speaking, but started stand-up comedy and found out it's a little bit more difficult than the uh, pastoring thing, different muscle. We talked a lot about that and talked about starting a little bit later in life and some of the ups and downs of being a new comedian, and also talked about not being afraid to get out there if you are a Christian-based comedian and want to do clean comedy and comedy that uh, isn't necessarily the norm in a lot of comedy clubs. We had a great talk, and I'm glad that we were able to catch up. This is a good one. Listen up. It's David Merle. Hey, David. Hey, Scott. How you doing? It's good, good. to be here. Good. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, good seeing you. I uh, miss seeing you around the drop and the open mic, so uh, uh, it, it's a pleasure to catch up today. Yeah, and I'm, um, you know, I, I I approached you to be on the podcast because, yeah, you know, I'm going to go back to uh, m- my close personal friend Barry Katz that I had on the show that uh, the we talked about being a comedy hobbyist and he uh he he didn't understand it and he still doesn't understand it so i approached you to talk about being a comedy comedy hobbyist but you're trying to step it up a notch so we're we're going to we're going to talk about the hobbyist part cuz that's how we both started and where i'm still at and talk about where you're at but i just thought it was uh interesting that uh Barry just doesn't understand that whole concept and and, uh, and uh, pretty much told me that he would not book a comedy hobbyist. So, so it's uh, it was uh, it was a, a dose of reality for me. But uh, I wanted to catch up with you. You know, this is what I remember. So I remember that we were doing the open mics at the old drop location. And we were doing uh, writers' workshops and things like that. And uh, I know that you uh, uh, came from a background when you came into it of being a pastor and I believe yeah. you still are. And if I remember right, you mentioned at one point that the reason why you were doing the stand up was basically so you could be a better preacher. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell you how a little bit of how that unfolded and a couple things that pulled me into comedy. When I first started pastoring, I started watching about any communication speech that I could watch, TED Talks, various speeches, monologues, and some comedians. Mm -hmm. And so I started 
I learned pretty quickly that no one owns the stage like a good comedian. And mm. so I start just watching more and more comedians on how they delivered and kept the audience captivated and that kind of thing. Mm. And so I started watching the comedians. Well, then all of a sudden I, in my brain, I'm like, well, not only I want to do this, I want to give this a shot. Mm-hmm. And so I start, so I scoped out a few of the open mics and, and didn't get on the open mic, just watch to see, okay, can I do this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then I pulled the trigger. I was brave, did my first five minutes, uh, a little bit of time went by, I think before I started like really doing it real heavy, but I had realized that I just have some funny things from my life or stories from my life that I thought would benefit people to hear. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I can make these stories funny, then people would be interested to hear these stories and hopefully learn some of the lessons that I've just learned through life. Mm -hmm. So I, so it really was an avenue. I thought I'm going to become funny or I'm going to at least learn how to present stories in a funny way. So people can learn meaningful life lessons perhaps spiritual lessons and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um it has grown in the i've only fallen more and more in love with comedy um but yeah absolutely at first it was i wanted to be able to tell my stories or sermons in a more captivating way Mm -hmm. now one of the things i wanted to ask is there's a you you have to have some guts to be a preacher and you have to have some guts to go up and do a sermon on Sunday or whatever day you're doing it. And there it's, um, it's in my mind, it's similar to doing stand up comedy, but I think there's some pretty big differences. And I wanted to get from you what you, what you saw those differences as. Well, the, the, the first difference is I don't have to pretend to like the crowds anymore. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the second being I've never done a sermon for two beers. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't have. I'm just saying yeah. that I never had to. Uh, I, no, I appreciate you asking that question. Um, all serious. Uh, a few of the things... Uh, I actually thought comedy would be a easier muscle for me than, than it has proven to be mm-hmm. because I think most people would have told you, Oh, David's a funny preacher, but to be a funny preacher, you only have to tell three jokes and maybe one of them landed in a 45 minute message. You, you right. know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. bar for a funny preacher is pretty low. Mm-hmm. And so my, uh, so I, when I started doing the open mics, uh, my first open mic, I went into this real, you know, lengthy story for just very little of a payoff. And I, so I learned pretty quickly, man, I have to try to get a laugh about every 10 to 15 seconds, or at least that's kind of what I thought mm-hmm. leaving that first open mic. Not that I do that perfectly now, but, um, and I think the other thing is there's a precision with comedy that strangely enough didn't exist in preaching a message. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so because I can tell a story from the heart, so to speak, and then I can, if I'm delivering a sermon, I can deliver a story from the heart and then extrapolate the lessons from that. And I can even write notes and revisit that. And the crowds in churches are pretty comfortable with kind of revisiting, a, you know, pausing to look at your next point or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But with comedy, uh, like you, ha- you have to hit specific words for that punch to pay off. And, um, and I, I never felt like that I was under that same precision preaching. Now, not mm-hmm. to say that I didn't try to wordsmith things to maximize that punch. I'm certain most of our listeners would understand like, you know, that preachers, they use a lot of those tools to get their message uh, captivating and, and, and you remember it or whatever. But I felt like there was much more precision needed in comedy than there was in, um, in preaching a message. I, I, I really dig that because, you know, while I wasn't a preacher, I did a lot of public speaking before I got up and, and I would think, you know, there are similarities between either you seeing a piece of scripture that you want to turn into a um, something that everybody can understand and everybody can relate to and me taking like technical jargon and uh, putting it together. So somebody that's not technical can understand it. So it's there, there, there's some parallels there. And just like you, I was, you know, first time I got up, uh, exact same thing. Long, <laughs> long, long story, no payoff. And, yeah. and, uh, you learn, you learn that pretty quick, but, um, it's, um, th- the differences as small as they are to me and tell me if you agree are really huge. Once you get up on that stage and put your mic in your hand. Yeah, I, I, I think so because, um, like, you know, I could deliver a, a 30 minute or a 45 minute, um, sermon, um, at this point in, in my life and have essentially an, an outline. And I know there are preachers that manuscript, um, but even those that manuscript, uh, the best of them try to still get that into their brain, into their heart to, to be able to, to deliver. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, if you veer in a sermon, if you veer from maybe what you had manuscript a little bit, if you knew the overall principle, you can get there and it's, it's not a, a problem. Mm-hmm. Or if I said, Hey, tell me about your last vacation. You can just begin to recall that from your mind and there's little preparation involved. Mm. But to get a laugh after laugh after laugh, the that 15 or 20 seconds that you're building up to that laugh requires a, a precision. And some of the words are not interchangeable, sometimes how they are, maybe if you're telling a story. Mm. Um, and so uh, even like this common Bible story like David and Goliath, if I would switch those words around and say Goliath and David, no one um, is like that didn't turn the meaning of that story, make it that story any less valuable because I Mm -hmm. I turned two names around 
But right. in a joke, it might. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's, you know, the, the right word. I mean, you, you you could say glass instead of can when you're yep. drinking a soda. I mean, it's just really, it, it, it's really a lot of minutia that you have to learn by trial and error, really. And, and it's, yeah. uh, to, it's, to it's give difficult. you an example, I'm not saying this is a great joke, but I have, I've had a joke I've been, uh, trying to workshop or tell. And it essentially is I set it up. I've been, I ran into this old, I went to a funeral of someone recently that I had seen like five years ago, but when I saw them five years ago, they were old 20 years ago. And I, I just t talk about when I interacted with them, my first thought was, aren't you dead yet? Like I was, and then I began to question that, like, who am I to decide who needs to live and die? Uh -huh. And so the punchline is something along the lines of, is, is this how murderers start? Or is, <laughs> and one night instead of how, is this how murder murderers start? I said, is this how I become a murderer? And the crowd was much more un uncomfortable with that phrase. Like, Oh, he's going to murder. Like, when yeah. it was out there, when it was like, we're talking about this foreign idea of some murderer we don't know, then yeah, that got a laugh. But when mm -hmm. all of a sudden I introduced to the crowd, is this how I start murdering people? That was, that was, it, that didn't get a laugh. <laughs> laugh. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because it wasn't funny to think, oh, you're going to kill people? Like, mm -hmm. but some foreign murderer, quote unquote, they laughed at that. Right. Right. So. And it's, it's just a, it's just a, a constant uh, struggle to keep things to where, you know, you're going to get the laugh and yet know that you may have to change it up again. And, and it's uh, jokes are living objects. They're not uh, something that you write down and that's it. It's uh, it's way yeah, it is. You got to, you got to toy with them. Can I tell you one yeah. more kind of example of that? Yeah. From yeah. A joke. So you may have heard that Joel Osteen like found like a half million dollars in his bathroom at yeah. his church or something like that. Yeah. And so I started to just try to make some jokes about that. And the end of it is like, what I try to be is like, apparently I have some, I lean into the idea. Oh, maybe Joel Osteen has this figured out. Cause I haven't found a half million dollars in my bathroom. And then uh -huh. I want to lean into Hey, you know, if I'm at a club, I'm like, you leave me alone if I'm in this bathroom all along. And in certain environments, that's got that has ended up getting a couple laughs or you know, some laughs. Well, one night I told that joke, and maybe it was just the wrong crowd, and, and certainly maybe it was some of my delivery or whatever. And the crowd just looked at me like, Yeah, Christians are idiots. <laughs> like, where's the joke here? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> not that I think Christians are idiots, but that particular crowd, I just that didn't take because I think it was like, yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. They, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> and what, from what I remember, the the couple times that I saw you, you uh, I mean, you alluded to the fact that you were a pastor, but you didn't lean on it. It, it, your, uh, your your act was more about being 
like a dad and 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 a husband and and things like that rather than really leaning into all church type humor and i i personally appreciated that because i it was it was um it was just a lot it was a lot more personal and i i i felt like i bonded with you as a comic more um than i would if you were just doing all jokes about you know just all church jokes i i appreciate you saying that um because as i've continued in this i have actually pulled back even more on some of the pastor content Mm -hmm. and increased even further what i call universal themes relationships Mm -hmm. marriage driving the frustrations that we all experience i think especially as someone like myself who is trying to do the hard work of being a clean comedian um i need as universal themes as possible i have to set myself up uh well not to say that i can't find that odd thing that odd quirk that but i think the universal themes are going to do well and i had a a a few experiences even though i have some jokes at my own expense about being a pastor uh you know uh, I've opened up with so a little bit about myself. I'm a pastor, and then normally the crowd says nothing, and mm-hmm. I'll go. That's the you know that's the response that I uh, thought I would get, and that normally breaks that tension and gets a laugh. And I I have I've had a I have a few jokes that I build off that, but I've had times where I thought when I opened up so hard with I'm a pastor that it it put a wall up to the crowd. And so I have now, um, when I've needed to introduce that, introduced it later and more subtly. Uh Um, And so like in one particular joke, I just referenced that I worked at a church. And then it's not till later that I make a joke about um, being up front. And then that's probably the first time they recognize, oh, he might have been the pastor then if he's up front. Uh But um being a pastor is kind of unique to just pastors and so to be funny i'm trying to expand into more universal more universal themes Mm -hmm. so i so i it really means a lot that you appreciated that i expanded beyond that because i have some voices saying that's my novelty and i need to lean on that Oh, uh, you know, you could, I mean, and, and I wouldn't, uh, begrudge you of it. I mean, but you, the only thing is, is you'd have to lean hard on it. it, it it's pretty much all or nothing if, if you do that. And then it kind of limits what, what you can talk about. Yeah. And I, and I'm much, I'm much more than a pastor. Even, and even when I was a pastor, like I, my relationships with people, I wanted them to be like, I just wanted Dave Merle to help someone else, regardless Uh of who I was in, in the church. Uh And so uh, I really didn't view myself as any better or any more insightful than, than others. So I, I certainly tried to do my job calling even to the best of my ability, but uh, I, I, I do know how that title at times can be a barrier relationally. And so I, 
I just wanted people to know me as David, who happened to be a pastor Mm -hmm. versus Pastor David. And I think that has come across not only in my comedy, but I think the other comics over time have have learned that about me as well. Like, um, David is sitting through all the stuff he's not going to share on Sunday morning and he's cool, (laughs) you know. Well, and that's, you know, first I want to say thank you for taking the baton of being uh, the token clean comic uh, in <laughs> in the area uh, when I left. So, you know, somebody's got to do it. And there we go. Uh, I appreciate I'll, I'll that. Uh, and, you know, the there's so many misconceptions about uh, about Christians in general that they think that you can't sit through um some of the filthy things that are said on stage and they think you'd never heard it well guess what we all went to high school we all heard it (laughs) yeah and uh and it's uh, so it's not it there are i mean you know there there are are folks who act like they never heard it and uh, get really upset about it but um but you know i i I really appreciated the fact that you you were you withstood listening to that stuff and were able to find the funny in it. You know, even if it's something that's totally foreign to you, that you thoughts come out that you would never even think of, you can still find the funny in it if they deliver it right. Oh yeah, I've had um, I had one guy get up there and man, he tore. He had some Bible jokes all day and i'm that's in a uh you know in a lot of ways i try to build my life around the things in the bible Mm -hmm. and so this comic afterwards came to me and was like hey how can i improve this this joke these jokes that i told and i'm like okay and so i did i i gave him some feedback and 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 some of that was man, if you're going to tell Bible jokes or you're going to tell certain jokes with certain content, it's got to crush. Yeah. <laughs> like, y- you don't want to tell a joke about race relations and, and then it's horrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like y- if you're going to talk about a sensitive subject or something that has capacity to be offensive or or, or important to people man, that's, that's gotta be a good joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you came into this as a, um, as an adult with kids and you, uh, had responsibilities. What did you have to change in your life to make room to do the standup? Cause it's a time suck. Yeah. Um, I just had to make a commitment like, first of all, to the open mics that, uh, Tuesday evenings are free. Like Mm -hmm. that. I don't schedule meetings. Then I don't schedule family time. Then I know that, um, and knowing that I'm going to be out of the house that one night a week means that other appointments are, you know, may not be scheduled like I'm not going to book myself out three evenings of the, you know what I'm saying? So comedy's Mm -hmm. taking one of those slots. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I communicate weekly with, with my wife 
like about what my week looks like. And so normally early on, like on Monday or something, I'll say, uh, while I mostly go to the drop and do the Tuesday night open mics, I, I do occasionally go to others. And so I'll communicate that up front. So it had to increase uh, my uh, communication with my wife about what this looks like, because I certainly as a husband don't want this hobby that I've now fallen in love with to take away from my home. Mm -hmm. So I have to be intentional about making it a priority, but then also making sure it doesn't take away from, from the other priorities. One thing that's hard for me that I see maybe some of the single comics or, or something that I'm just not ready to do at this time, I'll see some of the other comics at multiple open mics um, a week. And I can't do that right now. I, mm -hmm. you know, I have a 16 year old son, I am married. And so these are, those are commitments that are important to me. And um, they're, you know, as my son graduates one day, perhaps maybe I can do more of the circuit of all the open mics. It's not yeah. what I can do now. Right, right. And, and it's good you realize that because you, you can, you can really get yourself into a uh, bind uh, relationship wise. If you oh, don't. Yeah, I could, I could be in an open mic every night if I wanted yeah. to. I mean, all the drive, I, I certainly could, but yeah, it's I, not, I did, it, I did it for a while and the kids were gone and, you know, and I, I could feel the strain and nothing had to be said. I, I could yeah. just feel the strain. And so I pulled back and you, you just, you just have to understand that and uh, decide what you want to do because, you know, all the, all the big ones out there gave up something to get where they're at. And if you're not willing to give it up, then, then uh, more power to you. And right now when my son graduates and I'm in a new, new season there, uh, I very likely will increase my commitment to comedy, but it's, uh, it's, I have to do, I have to parent well too right now in this part yeah. of my life. Yeah, no doubt. So. I totally dig that. Um, so I don't know if you know how lucky you are to be in the particular scene that you're in. <laughs> um, you are, that's what uh, I have heard. Yeah, and you I will are, take it. You are one lucky dude. And, uh, and I've seen a few scenes now, and there is nothing like the people that, that uh, make up the, the whole South Bend scene. And, um, you know... Let me pose this as a question. What have you learned from those folks? And you can name names if you want, because oh, you know, yeah, I, I'll be glad I, to. And I know that you, uh, you, you uh, were welcomed pretty much with open arms and uh, which is a, a big deal in comedy. So just talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I was so impressed, like, and understand as a pastor, I made a job. My job was to develop community that su was supportive of one another. That was my mm -hmm. whole job, you know? And so I was so impressed at how committed the other comedians were in this area to the success of other comedians. Mm -hmm. yep. And so that was a real easy thing for me to, to dive into because mm -hmm. like, I 
you know, if I happen to learn anything, I know I'm only two years into this, but like, I'll be glad to share it. Recently, I sent Dean Jernigan um, probably about 25 minute uh, routine of mine that I did at a church in Michigan City Mm -hmm. and just said, give me your feedback, give me your critique. And he did. And he was uh, very gracious, gave me feedback on how I could improve that routine, uh, just gave me general feedback on how to improve as a comic. And I just know that that doesn't come um, from everyone, you know? Mm. And uh, so like, I've really appreciated that. They have, uh, it didn't feel like it took me long to prove that even though I'm clean, even though I'm Christian pastor, all that, I don't think it took me long for them to be able to trust like, okay, this guy is not here to cause us any trouble, you know, whatever. And uh, so Joe Tidd has um, uh, booked me a couple times or, you know, his crew, Devin and Joe there have Uh booked me a couple times for the DIY shows. Um, I kind of consider the drop my home spot. Heather has been, uh, supportive. Like I even asked her like, Hey, what kind of emails do you send out to other clubs? And she was willing to serve as a ref. Like, so Mm -hmm. I've just found nothing but support and, um, and, and I don't know. I love watching Jason LaFoon perform (laughs) comedy. So (laughs) I win with that too. So like, Uh, I I think we have a lot of great comics and they, man, they all tease me, Jenny, all, I just, they give me a rough time, you know, even from the stage, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, so it's, uh, (laughs) I hope I didn't miss anyone now that I've mentioned so many, Yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. And, you know, one of the things that is important is a lot of these folks that are in the comedy game have been excluded before because they are, you know, they're, they're a certain type of person. They're, you know, they're, they're a little bit weirder than, than, uh, regular people and stuff like that. So they've been excluded before. And, um, so, being inclusive should come natural to them. And yet in some scenes it doesn't. And, and, and I, uh, I, you know, I probably wouldn't, if, if I hadn't met the people that I met there, I probably wouldn't be doing comedy anymore. This podcast would have never got started because, you know, I, they were inclusive with me, you know, the, the old clean comedy dude. And, uh, you know, so that's, uh, it's a special thing. And, uh, it, I, I do know there are other scenes like that, but, uh, there are plenty of scenes that are very clickish and also, um, they just don't like outsiders. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, I've worked with a good amount of them now on different shows. And so, uh, it's just, they're just very supportive and, uh, it's a, a privilege to be a part of like, and I can't do it alone. I need a comedy scene to be a part of, like yeah. I need, so I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're putting on shows and booking shows and, mm. and doing podcasts and, yeah. um, and so, uh, 
yeah, I'm glad they're there and I'm glad they're doing their thing. And I'm glad that I've been able to observe, um, you know, people like even a new guy that I don't think that um, maybe, you know, yet is JP McAllister. Like he's been real generous with me mm -hmm. in terms of what he's had to say. And uh, back in the day when Max used to hang out, like he was always real general. Like I just, um, a lot of good people, a lot of great mm -hmm. people in the South Bend scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Now I want to get back to writing a little bit because writing a sermon is not easy. I mean, you're, I know you're probably either going for, um, you, you want to deliver a particular message and you're finding a scripture to go with it or a piece of scripture uh, motivates you to uh, deliver a message. So I, I assume that you're diving into comedy writing was probably a little bit easier for you than, than somebody that uh, had never written anything before. But did you, what, what type of a routine do you have to get into in order to, keep writing jokes and uh, performing them, you know, what, what's your process to understand your ABC jokes and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, I wish this, that my answer here might be an underwhelming, but let's, let's dive in a little bit. So uh, I really have a, a real simple, like to make sure that I'm always adding more content. I, on my task list, for every day have write a joke. And so I just write a joke every day. Mm -hmm. And then as I carry around my phone, sometimes like, you know, I'll make an observation or like, Oh, I think I can turn that or I'll turn that into something funny or I'll remember a story from the past or something or hear something someone says that I think, Oh, I can twist that. And so then I'll just write that on my, like notes in my phone and then when i am sitting down to write then i i often will look at that and will you know see okay well can i expand that into something some of those things you know they don't ever turn into anything i'll look mm -hmm. at that and go oh that that <laughs> you know <laughs> that's not going to be anything yeah and then sometimes before I even go to an open mic, I'll look at maybe some of those lists or new jokes I've written. And sometimes that's the real muscle. It's like, okay, am I going to get on stage and tell some of these like and test it in this way? Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of naturally edits itself a little bit because um, sometimes even a second look is like, okay, that that's not going to be quite what I thought. And then sometimes it's just like, man, I just don't think that is going to be, I'll self-edit, maybe even too much. I don't think it's something even that I can test out on an open mic. And then, of course, the open mics where the, you know, where it's tested for the real, you know, like, okay, I said this. And sometimes you got to give things a, a try here and there. I've, I've had things I've tried and then I, uh, and it didn't get a laugh and then, I come back later and try it again. And it did. So I think mm -hmm. you would get all that. And so, yeah, um, I wish my writing thing was a little more exhaustive. I need to probably find ways to expand it, but uh, I would say the gist is I carry my notes around and I write a joke every day. 
one mm-hmm. at least one joke every day so so i gotta ask you you're closer in age to me than some people yet you're still a lot younger but uh do you ever lose jokes do you ever have this fantastic premise that comes up and because you don't have anything with you you forget to write it down and you know you lost it but you can't remember what it is <laughs> oh yeah okay. yeah i i um I I had something like that happen, I think even today, where I realized, oh, wait a minute, I was going to write a joke about this. Yeah. But somewhere in the universe, it just didn't yeah. um, manifest, or I didn't either write it down or something. And so, uh, yeah, I, I certainly need a better way to organize my content, because I'll go through an old list, and, I, and I'll just be like, oh, my I, I forgot about that or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I'm actually, I'm in the process of putting everything in Evernote right now just because I, I've always done handwritten stuff and it, it I lose it. I mean, in, in the move, I lost a couple books and still don't know where they're at, but I find pages, these loose pages that are in boxes and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it, I mean, I know it'll all come back to me. One of the things that I always did was I made a note on my phone of what set list I was planning to do anytime I perform. So I can at least go back to that and the little bullet points that I put in sometimes will trigger what the joke actually was and then I'll quickly write it down so I don't forget it. I, yeah, I, first of all, I love Evernote. I've loved Evernote as a pastor. I love Evernote as a comedian. I think Evernote is a great tool. Yeah. And then um, I also have like a journal. It has strangely enough stitch from the Disney movie Lilo and stitch on the Uh cover. And I typically carry that to the open mics or even my guest spots or whatever and write out my set that I'm going to do. And so Mm. that's been a helpful tool to have as well, where I can look back and, um, okay, these are the jokes I've, I told or whatever. And so, Mm. So, but yeah, so between Evernote, my phone and Lilo and stitch journal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it's only in three places. Mine, mine were in too many. You mentioned, uh, performing for, uh, a church audience in Michigan city and uh, I'm wondering, did your act change at all to do go for a church audience? Or, you know, what revelations came out of actually performing at a church? Yes. Great question. And yes, I know. While the gap for me is not real wide, mm. like the difference there, um, there is a little bit of a difference. Like, um, there's just things, even, even though I'm still clean in the clubs and stuff, there's just things that I can say and do that I think are just normal human things in a club that may not be always proper in a church, for instance. Like I got one joke where I say I took a, uh, ancestry DNA kit and it came back white AF. Yeah. And so like I tell that in the clubs and that gets a little chuckle or whatever, <laughs> That's really good. but I, that like, yeah. for instance, I had to cut that from the church thing because yeah. it, it for some could be uh, too 
you know, inappropriate, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I have a another story that um, it, <laughs> I have another story where uh, my wife and I were staying in a hotel for <laughs> some intimate time. And mm-hmm. I told this story at a, at a church and um, because what happened is my son and his plans ended up falling out. So we had to then go pick up our son. So we ended up leaving the hotel after being there one hour. Okay. <laughs> now, so then I ha- I tell the whole story about how I'm going up to the register and how uncomfortable that is. Do they think I'm paying for these services and all this yeah. stuff, you know, this whole thing. Now, because in the church setting, I'm telling this story and I'm using all kinds of innuendo words that are like activity and interactive time and all this stuff. The church is just roaring at uh-huh. this because it's just borderline uh, inappropriate, you know, as I'm telling this uh, story. And I'm curious, though, I've not tried that particular story out like at a club. Uh-huh. I'm curious at how that would hit at a, at a club um because you hear like that story might be the worst you hear in a church but is gonna be kind of uh the least of the concerns in a club night so you know uh, i honestly you know i think the fact that you're you know showing that you're struggling using the words that you think should be said i think that would work in a club and and, I think I can do something with it. I just haven't, um, I just haven't tried. Maybe I'll try it tonight. Uh, I'm going to DIY tonight. And so I'll, uh, uh, I'll have to, I I plan on seeing if I can make it take. Yeah. I mean, I love, I absolutely love the premise and, and, you know, um, the, the funny thing is, is the you skirting around that stuff is almost funny as a punchline, you know, so <laughs> right. it's, it's the performance right. part that really that really um, brings people in because they're they're in a club setting. I would think that they would be waiting for you to screw up and 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 say something just overtly sexual. And and yet you're you keep towing that line and, and yeah. using using those those words that are a little bit more innuendo and uh yeah. double entendre and stuff like that. yeah, I I I would suggest you try it because I I'm I like the one idea. of the greatest punchlines in that particular story is um what happened then later is the cashier actually mistakenly charged my wife's credit card um, for damages. And so then I followed that up with, we only had the room for an hour. We weren't at damage level yet. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so it, uh, so I told, I told that at greater length than at a church, like marriage retreat. And uh-huh. man, they roared. And so, oh, if I, I can turn, I'd, I'd like to find a way to turn that into something I could do at a club. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. This is what happens when you get older, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. The um, oh, sixteen-year-old um, son. Okay, uh, what what does a sixteen-year-old son think about dad doing what he's doing? 
I think he I think he thinks it's pretty cool. Um, strangely enough, that's a, probably about the only thing he thinks that I I think is cool. <laughs> um, that being said, my son is 16, so he saw me perform for the first time a couple weeks ago out at the Eagles, and uh, I must say he he, uh, he liked some of the naughtier comedians a little better than me. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and he he wanted me to make sure that I told uh, like Mike Hullinger and and uh, some of the other guys on that show like uh, that he thought uh, you know their Hitler jokes and four twenty jokes and stuff were were funny. And they are. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, yeah, of course they are. Yeah, uh, it's sixteen-year-old uh, kids. I mean, they're going to be drawn like uh, flies to sugar to uh, that type of humor. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. expanding. That's expanding their knowledge. <laughs> right. When I when I reached out to Joe and said, "Hey, can kids come to this?" and he goes, "Yeah, but we're not censoring the content." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, oh, I know." I know. And I said, well, he's, he's 16. So, uh, so you've been doing this long enough to, um, first of all, know, uh, pretty much what's funny and what's not funny and kind of what your lane is and what your persona is and stuff like that. What are you planning on doing with it? Oh, good answer. So, uh, my hope, I, I mean, I'll do, I want to take it as far as at least my ability or God would allow me to take it. Uh, so um, I feel like I can uh, pretty easily get, because I'm a cleaner comedian, I feel like I can do some church shows. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I could even get hired out for Christmas parties and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's probably going to be the first thing that I lean into in terms of trying to expand this into uh, something I can do at a, a paid level. Mm -hmm. uh, I will continue to reach out to clubs for guest spots and features as I continue to expand um, how much, like I probably have about 30 minutes of funny material right now. So mm -hmm. uh, I want to continue to expand that. Uh, and so as I do, and as I continue to get better, I'll just continue to see if I can take more and more uh, territory and, you know, so, but I feel like my next step is to focus on the church shows and the Christmas parties and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it feel really fulfilling to go up on stage and be completely clean and make people laugh just as hard as all the other comics? Oh, it's incredible. Um, I can't believe at how much I have fallen in love with bringing people joy yeah. at this level. Uh -huh. And um, comedians that their act is totally opposite of what mine is have been so supportive. I, I had one night where I had decided I was going to tell all new material at an open mic, mm -hmm. which was a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. And it I've, went I've about had the same idea like too. you it's think bad. it went. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got in the elevator and I was there with another comedian and I, I don't know his name. I've only seen him a couple times, but 
And he looked at me and he was familiar enough with me. And he, he said, David, uh, let's see what he just said. You got to keep doing this and keep doing your thing. There's more of us out there than you realize. And I think that he was doing a couple things. I think he was recognizing that I was recognizing that I made a mistake in terms of going up there with all new material. Mm -hmm. I think he was also letting me know, even though his contents didn't say otherwise, uh, say this, so to speak, is he was a person of faith too. And so he wanted to encourage someone else to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so um, it it has felt like, man, a, a, a clean person of faith can do this and be welcomed into this community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, it does feel good. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And once again, you're very lucky. And we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the things I like to ask almost everybody I talk to is uh, what's the best and worst pieces of advice you've gotten since you started doing stand-up? Oh, wow. Uh, oh, man, great question. Um, oh, horrible advice and good advice. Uh, the good advice I'll start with, have fun. Like, mm-hmm. walk up there. And so when I you know, before I take the mic, I'm often telling myself something in my head, like I was made for this. Let's have fun. You know? Mm. So I just, I want to be in that frame of mind. And so, and I think if I can get there, like if I can be in that place where, Hey, I'm just Dave Merle having a good time up here, telling some jokes that comes across in the routine and the jokes just hit harder than if I'm, following a script or a performance mm-hmm. and um man let me think of some horrible advice that that i've been given man i don't know i can't i'll be honest i i you know after the show i'll probably be able to think of some but that's I cool can't, that's cool i can't think of any right away now one of the things especially when you're two years into it like you are is um you bomb you know it, we all bomb and you also have great shows i'm i'm i know you've experienced both where you uh yep. have have done the worst that you could possibly do and done the much better than you thought you ever could at the end of both of those shows how do you deal with that well I actually got, it's interesting that you bring that up because I actually got really good advice about that recently because I don't know if I was handling both of those well, mm-hmm. because before a couple of weeks ago, when I would have a great show, you know, I would, I would just like, I was made for this. I, yeah. you know, I'm so <laughs> funny. I'm so incredible, you know? And then I would have, these shows that I would bomb. And then I'm just like, why do I even do this? I, I, I'm not funny. No one, the, no one likes my stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm living between these two extremes and it was all dependent on the performance. And so someone recently said, make sure 
after every show, you realize you're not as good as your best performance and you're not as bad as your worst. And so if you mm -hmm. can remember you're some, you're likely somewhere in between there. Yeah. It I really like that a little bit. Yeah. I, I like that. And I have not heard that. I mean, that's actually like, Mike Hollinger. Really? He told me that. That son of a bitch. He never told me that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I tell you? He opens his act with Hail Satan. Yes, he does. But he hands down has been one of the most supportive comics of my routine. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. So supportive. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's he's a sweet, sweet man. I miss him. Yeah. Um, I um so the piece of advice I got that I use is that no matter what happens, if it's really bad or it's really good, you allow yourself to be dejected for five minutes and you allow yourself to be elated for five minutes and then you just move on and, and, and go on with the rest of your life. And, but I, I, I think I like yours better. I'm going to, I think I'm going to write yours down. <laughs> and, and I like yours that. too. Yeah. It, uh, the bad news is I can't live in that elation for more than five minutes. I enjoy that elation. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, yeah. and I, it's, I've always, uh, I've always been pretty critical of myself and the, even when I have a really great show, I'm like, eh, I don't know if it was as great as I thought it was. And, and, and so, um, I do have to allow myself a little bit of grace and say, Hey, you know, you did good. And so for five minutes, bask in that glory. And then, uh, just remember the next time you go up, you're probably just going to totally suck it. And <laughs> that, you know what, that is good advice because I can watch, my best performance, so to speak. And I can find the things wrong yeah. in what I did or the delivery, or I can certainly remember the one joke that didn't take or something. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it's probably appropriate to just sit back for five minutes and go, that was a good show. Right. Enjoy right. It. You know, so I, I get that. So if people want to find you on the interwebs, uh, I, I've got your site down here um, for people who are watching, but if they want to find you on the interwebs and book you for their shows, uh, church shows too, um, where can they find you, David? Uh, yeah, let's probably the best place to reach out would be e emailing me at davidbmerle at gmail.com. Merle spelled M-U-R-R-E-L-L. -L. I am on uh, Facebook, that would probably be, uh, a good way, you know, to find me. So mm -hmm. David Merle again, M U R R E L L. Those are probably the best ways to reach out. Great. Well, I'm gonna, I've got a couple of people in mind to introduce you to. So I, I want to, um, get you introduced to a couple of people that, uh, are very heavy into the clean comedy and also the Christian comedy that I think uh, you could get some enlightenment from. So, um, I appreciate that. I'm going to make that intro for sure. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, it, you know, it, it makes me, it's a little bit bittersweet because you're there and I'm here and I love where I'm at. It's just still, I'm still going through the culture shock a little bit and, uh, and, Forgive uh, me, but where is here now for you? Um, it's Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. Yeah, so it's a pretty big move. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you still doing 
comedy yeah you know i i'm i'm gonna get back into it we were um we were in you know i changed jobs and then i changed positions within the job and took on a little bit more responsibility and we were looking for a house and we were in an apartment for a while so everything was really in a state of flux for a while so basically i've done probably in the last six months i've probably done maybe 10 open mics and one showcase so okay uh so i um i've been writing more and i i do, do want to get do want to get back into it but i also want to put my priorities where they need to be just like you do so um yeah. it's not it's not life or death if i miss an open mic and uh but uh i still have the itch you know i still want to do it well i will hold the clean comedy down here in South okay Bend. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for being on the show, David. My privilege, uh, my honor. Thanks for having me.